I was wondering what Cindy was going to do. That. Oh, that's the lesson that I've got coming up next week. Excuse me. There is a... Yeah, Sylvia and I will be gone with our kids, and uh, my parents are going to go with us this time. Going to go over to Italy and uh, spend some time with the, with uh, Sylvia's family and the church that she grew up with. And so even though I'm not here the next couple of Sundays, I will be preaching and, and teaching in that context. I'm going to translate for Terry. You can pray for me and that. We'll see for my dad, see how that, that pans out. Um, that, that should be exciting. I'm not sure I can talk that fast, but we'll, we'll give her a shot. But in the next couple of weeks here for the church in Belgrade, uh, Dan Staley is going to be sharing next Sunday morning. And I reminded him this morning, and he said, how on earth did you get me, talk me into that? But he's going to share his story of how he came to faith and how, how worship and song had an impact to that. He did that on a devotional here one Sunday night here a while back. But I think it'd be, it's going to be great for the church to hear it. It's a tremendous story. And then the uh, Sunday after that, um, let, me, let me share you how, how this has gone down. Uh, with, with Dan and with our, our three elders, Carl and, and Dan and, and Mark, when I threw it their direction and said, hey, why don't you guys, for the elders, each of you take five minutes and uh, you share just a great spiritual lesson you have. And, and that's what I meant to ask. But I think by their action, what I asked was, would you come over to my house and clean out my septic system with a, with a toothbrush? And, and the response, that's the response I got. I'm not sure, no, that's not for me. I don't think, you know, you need to wrestle through. But I think it's going to be, it's tremendous. You know, our elders are teaching all sorts of different ways. Um, they don't see themselves as, as gifted teaching from the front in this context on Sunday morning. But they, I learn from them continually and constantly. I think the church will be blessed for them to share just a little bit of a great spiritual, spiritual lesson that they can that they're going to um, give your, your way here in a couple of weeks. And then uh, I will come back. Sylvia will be for, there for another 10 days to be with her family and, and be a blessing to them. And then uh, we'll be into fall and into the saddle and the exciting things that, that God has planned for us in the next while. The uh, theme of the youth rally was a new hope. And you recognize this if you've seen Star Wars number four. And I tried to figure it out how the Star Wars episodes were made because it started with number four, then number five, number six, then number one, two, and three, and then number seven, then number three and a half, and then eight. Is that correct? Is that how it went? Okay, I got it. Right. Okay. I know the Martinish boys are always there to make sure I, I got it. So that's what happened. And, and they went in all sorts of different orders. But this is the one that came out uh, before I can even remember. I remember seeing it when I was a kid. But this New Hope, and what's, there's this, this prequel, the sequence that goes through, and the, the, the yellow letters go off into space. And, and you guys all know what I'm talking about if you've seen Star Wars. And this is the next scene that comes up. Princess Leia is running for her life in this, this uh, ship out front as a major star destroyer tries to chase her down. Do, are we getting feedback? Can I do something? Do I need to step back a little bit? Or We're good. Okay, just keep talking. All right. And so uh, usually I'm doing something wrong, so I need to ask to make sure. And they, uh, they're, they're captured, and, and it just seems like hope is almost lost. But I, I printed this out or looked at it here. This is the, the, uh, what happens here at the beginning of, of Star Wars. It is, it is a period of civil war. Rebel spaceships striking from a hidden base have won their first victory against the evil Galactic. During the battle, rebel spies managed to steal secret plans to the Empire's ultimate weapon, the Death Star, an armored space station with enough power to destroy an entire planet. Pressured by the Empire's sinister agents, 
Princess Leia races home aboard her starship, custodian of the stolen plans that will save her people and restore freedom to the galaxy. And I remember whenever I see that, there's this, this little, there's this, this sense of hope that comes up. It says, yes, maybe the rebellion will not be destroyed by the galactic empire. Maybe there's, there, maybe there's hope. And the idea of hope is that the future is going to be better than the past. That's the idea. The hope is that when everything looks like it's dark and everything looks like things are, are not going to go well and, and all I see is darkness ahead, is that no matter what, I know that there's hope on the other side of that curtain, on the other side of that fog. That's what, what hope is about. And so I'm going to show you some pictures. And you tell me, does this person, when you look at him, does this person have hope for a good future? Hope or no hope? Hope, no hope. Hope, no hope. Playing for the Lakers now, trying to get another championship. Hope, no hope. I don't know. We'll see. What about this this person? Hope or no hope? Hope. Yeah, she's. This is uh, Emma Watson, successful actress, smart girl apparently. In the in the eyes of our world, lots of hope. She's got a lot of stuff going for her, doesn't she? Absolutely, lots of hope. Yeah, somebody's saying. Nah. How about for this guy? Is there hope there? Mm -hmm. Homeless guy with his dog out there. You know, I think a lot of times, probably from his perspective, there's no hope. Life is as it is. It's messed up. I'm sitting here on the street. I used to be your neighbor. Life's tough for me, but here I am. And we know with God he's got hope. Just as much as any any of the rest of us, there's hope there. But when you look at it face value, you think, "Mm, nope, no hope. That's going to be tough. Tough situation. How about this guy? Any hope? Hard to say. Hard to say the future is going to be better, better than the past for this guy right there. Doesn't he look like a warm, fuzzy, you know, happy little guy there? Yeah. Yeah. How about this guy? Is there any hope for this guy? That guy's going to be bald in five years. Is that what you said? How about this guy here? Now, I've got, I've got a question for you guys. Why do you guys always laugh when you see pictures of me with hair? Man, I, I think I can use that joke every time people will laugh. Now, I'll tell you, this picture was taken when I was living in Italy. A friend of mine and I went hiking. And uh, that was, it was on a kind of a cloudy day up in the Dolomites. But uh, that's uh, before selfies were a thing. I just took my camera that actually had film in it. You guys know what film is? Yeah. You to put it in a camera and, and pull it through and set it a little bit. And you were very, very careful to take pictures because you only had maximum 36. And so you couldn't go click, 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 click like that and think that it's going to cost you a lot of money. It's going to go bad. So I took my camera and I sat there like that and I took that picture up in the Dolomites. I remember up in northern Italy hiking. And not long before this, I'd had an experience that was, uh, was interesting. I had finished college, and you know, when you finish college, you're supposed to know what you're going to do next, right? Not me, not so much. I did an internship down in Texas and uh, ended up spending some time with my family hunting and got a job working at Big Mountain, a ski area. And after living in Texas with, with ties and, and put together for, for a summer, I didn't cut my hair for a year. 
thought, oh man, I've got to do something here. I've got to grow this out. And so I grew my hair out, and uh, some of the worst pictures of my hair are in my office that I didn't put on here. But um, it's, yeah, you can see it. Debbie Morgan came in the other day and said, I didn't know you had a sister. No, that's me, actually, Debbie. That actually happened. That really happened. My sister doesn't have a beard, but anyway. That's, but so I, I remember when I worked at the ski mountain, I thought, man, this is awesome. This is going to be fantastic, wonderful times. I get to ski every day. And actually uh, lived with a friend Adrian, who's here today. And uh, I remember just having a, he was working out of town a lot, you know, in and out. And it was, uh, it was just a, uh, it was an interesting time in my life because I loved to ski, loved to do that, had some great friends there. But something I realized is that many of the people, not all of them, uh, there were some God-fearing people I worked with, but many, by far the majority of the people that I worked with, uh, they were, all they were interested in was how deep the snow was going to be the next day. And that was really the extent of it. And, and I realized, working in the office that I did, listening to the stories and the things that people talked about, I realized, wait a minute here. What 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 is the passion that these people have to live for? Is it just snow? Is that all it is? And are these people really content with just how deep the snow is? And as the longer I worked there, and the more I spent time there, something I realized when you start listening to what people say is that, and I've shared this story at times in other contexts, is that what I realized is that these people, almost all of them across the board, were self-medicating with drugs just to try to make it. And so they talked about how excited they were for the snow and how excited they were for their new skis and excited for all this kind of thing. But they had this giant hope inside of them or this giant hole inside of them because the, real, the only hope that they really had was that I can wake up the next day and maybe I can get some fresh turns in before, uh, before somebody else skis over my tracks and messes up the snow in front of me and all these out-of-staters, you know, that kind of thing. And then you go... In the evening, wherever they went in order to, to self-medicate and, and to, to, to do the drink a lot or, or do the drugs or whatever it was in order to put them in a spot where they could just get up the next morning to try to survive. And I realized that, hey, working at a ski mountain should be the happiest people in the world doing the funnest thing in the world. And they were the most miserable people that I have ever been around in my life. Because really... When you live for just what you can touch, just what, what, what you like and enjoy, your life is totally empty and you feel like there's nothing that really, really matters there. Now, just here, look at Isaiah. We're going to talk about real hope here. Isaiah 40, verses 28 through 31. See, look at my graphics there. Doesn't that look Star Wars-ish? No? Okay. This is Isaiah's talking to a people to think, man, our best times are behind us. Things have, were so much better in the past. And here we are. The future just doesn't look like anything good is going to come. It just looks like things are just going to be a pain. And, oh, man, I wish I could have gone back to the old days. And this is what Isaiah says. God says through Isaiah, Do you not know? Have you not heard? The Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth. He will not grow tired or weary. God doesn't get tired. And he understands and his understanding no one can fathom. He gives strength to the weary and increases the power of the weak. Even youths grow tired and weary, and young men stumble and fall. Okay, yesterday during the pod races, did some of you fall down? I did. 
I think that where it says later Vader there, I, I, my, I may have been the one that tore that off the back of the when I was trying to, to grab onto. I don't know if that's the same one or not, but trying to. Uh, I, but we were out there. It was hot. It was hot. And it was, but you guys stayed in there. And one of the good things I hope you learned yesterday, even when it's hot and even when it's it seems like it's hard to pull that that pot around, you guys did it. And you put your nose to the grindstone and you went for it. But even we get tired. Even you young people get tired. But those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. They will soar on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not be faint. And so what Isaiah is telling the people is that even though you feel tired, even though all of us fall short, even though all of us look around and think, oh man, I wish I could go back. I wish I was not in the situation I'm in right now. Isaiah says, no, 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 wait. Those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. They're soar on wings like eagles. You ever watch eagles fly? Pretty amazing. They will run, not grow weary. They will walk and not be faint. And so never open God and believe that because of God, the future is better than the past, then he gives us strength to be able to overcome things that we could never imagine that we could do. Look at this next one, Psalm 42, 5. Psalm 42 is, is uh, the place where we get the song, As the deer pants for the water. That comes from the same psalm there. Now look at this. This is uh, verse 5, a few verses on down. Why, my soul, are you downcast? Why do, so disturbed within me? Have you ever felt that way before? I just feel like things, I'm downcast. I'm, I just got all these burdens inside of me and life isn't good. It says, put your hope in God, for I will yet praise him, my Savior and my God. And this re- is repeated a few different times throughout Psalm 42. When you feel down, when you feel disturbed, when your heart is, is racing within you because you just do not see that the future can be better than the past, he says, put your hope in God. Put your hope in God. Don't do that. Put your hope in God because God is going to deliver. He's got his plan. He's going to work here. Now, I know that... Um, how many of you have ever been fly fishing? How many of you ever caught anything fly fishing? Okay, yeah, several hands go down there. It's not easy. This is the time. Right now, throw a grasshopper on the water. Fish are hungry. They eat it. Okay, that's kind of how it works. And my son, his, uh, he's been working on his casting and we've gone out and fished a few times. And he... Um, when we were up at, at uh, teen camp, Luke and I just ducked out for a few minutes a couple of times, try to catch a fish. And he had a couple of strikes. He had one on that fought, and, and he thought he had it, and, and it got off. And you could just see his spirit just go, oh. He said, there's going to be another one. You just keep trying. And the last night at camp, we went out, and we were down by the bridge. And I would caught a fish there earlier in the day. And so he's casting out, and he casts... And uh, he's, he's fishing upstream right there at the bridge. And the fly goes underneath, and you see the pole bend. And I said, set the hook, Luke. And he sets the hook, and it was this little tiny fish. And he set the hook. And that way up, way above the supports. You know how the bridge is shaped like this? That fish was way higher than that, okay? And that fish went way up. Luke's the hook released, and his line wrapped around the, the support there on the, on the bridge. And that fish went way up in the sky, and you could see it up there, and then it came way down and went right back into the water. That fish will never forget that one, I'm pretty sure. And maybe Luke and I won't either. But you could see Luke... Go, oh. Something that my parents told me a long time before is that the only way that you're not going to catch a fish is if you quit. If you keep trying and keep trying and keep trying, 
then you will catch a fish. It's going to come. It's just going to take time. It's going to take work, but it's going to happen. And you know what happened the other day? We went down to the Gallatin and looped through that dry fly right into this pool, and this, this fish just hit it. And Luke set the hook, and he backed up, and that fish came up on shore. And it was a neat time. His first fish on a fly rod, all by himself, without Dad helping at all. But it only happened because he believed. He had hope that somehow, somewhere, if I throw this fake insect into the water, somehow, sometime, something is going to take it, even if it doesn't look like it, even if, if it's, it seems impossible, based on my experience, somehow it's going to happen. And so that's the, the idea here of that the only thing, the only way we don't succeed in following Christ and we don't succeed in being transformed and being changed is if at some point in time we look around at the darkness around us or we look at the waves around us and say, I don't see how this is possible, I quit. And we stop relying on God and we give up. But what God tells us is, why are you so downcast? Why so disturbed within me? Put your hope in God for I will yet praise him, my Savior and my God. And so the hope that God gives us, the new hope, here it is. Let's look at a few passages. Go ahead and grab your Bibles. Turn to Acts chapter 2. Acts chapter 2. I'll start reading in verse 38. And this is when Peter is speaking to the, uh, all these people here. The apostles are speaking in different languages. Verse 38 says, Peter replied, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. The promise is for you and your children and for all who are far off, for all whom the Lord our God will call. And he gives them hope for the future there, is that you can come to God and things are going to be better in the future, not only for you, but for all those who are far off, for all of mankind. Things are going to be better. Let's look at Titus chapter 3. We spent some time on this at teen camp. Titus chapter 3, I'll start reading in verse 3. At one time we too were foolish, disobedient, deceived and enslaved by all kinds of passions and pleasures. We lived in malice and envy, being hated and hating one another. But when the kindness and love of God our Savior appeared, He saved us, not because of the righteous things we had done, but because of His mercy. So we can't earn this. He saved us through the washing of rebirth, through baptism and renewal by the Holy Spirit, whom he poured out on us generously through Jesus Christ our Savior, so that having been justified by his grace, we might become heirs having the hope of eternal life. You see his, his point there is that we were this way, we were without hope, but when we come to God and we submit to God and we're washed and we're cleansed, then we have hope for the future. We have hope that the future can be better than the past. Let's look at John chapter 3, verse 16. Some of you might have this one memorized. John chapter 3, verse 16. Jesus speaks here, or John records this here. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. So here's the deal. Okay, All of us, Mankind have are in the same situation here. We have a hope that God has given us, that God has promised that He will forgive our sins, as far as from the east to the west. What it says that our sins will be forgiven and He will remember them no more. Okay, there is hopefully where you're at at this point in life. You don't lay awake at night, kids, thinking, "I wish I wouldn't have done that. I wish I could go back." Okay, I hope that you're not there. At some point. 
all of us tend to get there. We get there because of sin that we have in our lives and, and the things that we, we, uh, we commit. But this is the promise of God, is that unlike what I saw up at the ski mountain, of people medicating themselves just to try to take the pain away, what God does is he offers the forgiveness of sins. He says, you have sinned against me. There's been, there's been all of these wrongdoings done, but I'm going to wipe them clean. So it's like they weren't there anymore at all. And I'm going to give you my Holy Spirit, and this Holy Spirit is going to live in you. And you get to be a part of the community of the Holy Spirit. And the point is that we as people who are part of God's kingdom, community of the Holy Spirit, church, all of those terms there, is we're people that we come together and we leave that sinful nature behind, that animosity, all that stuff, and we come together in peace and unity to be able to, uh, to, to honor God and start eternity right now. And... We have eternal life. That's the promise of God. And peace. Uh, there's a lot of people in this world. There's, there's all sorts of, of people that are paid professionally, all sorts of documentaries made about how to find peace. And God tells us, come to him, become part of his kingdom. And that peace comes. That he gives us and it changes us and transforms us. And so this is what God tells us about coming into his kingdom. We approach him in faith and we see that from these scriptures. In other words, we say, God, I am going to submit to you. I believe that you know more than me, and what your plan is and what you tell me, I'm going to submit to that, even if I don't agree. I know I'll wrestle through that, but I'm, I'm in. I'm going to live by faith. I'm going to live by repentance. In other words, when you see temptation, instead of running towards it and think, Woo, all right, run the opposite direction and want to get away from the things that are going to lead us away from God. And next... Uh, submit to God in baptism. We go down into that water, sins are cleansed, we come up and we're changed into someone totally different. There was a number of years ago I read a book, and it was an interesting um, description. And this author, is he took a battle scene of there's, there's enemy-occupied territory, and he used World War II as an example. And there, is, there are troops everywhere, enemy troops all over the place. And he told a story about some paratroopers that came in and they landed in enemy-occupied territory, and they had to set up a camp to be able to take care of this bridge and, and to protect so that the rest of the troops could get there. And the analogy was made that that's really what's happening to us in Christ, is for us, we look out in the world, you don't have to look far to see that there's a lot of evil out there, that there's a lot of destruction out there, that there's a lot of hurt out there, that we bring on ourselves and we bring on other people. But what God has done is said, I'm going to send in a special force of people, a rebellion, can we call it that from Star Wars? A rebellion who is going to live differently, who is going to be differently, and they're going to have a message that is going to bring people to eternity, that's going to change lives, that's going to transform be the paratroopers that go in first and uh, help people understand that there's a better life out there. That's what you are. That's what we are. We have this opportunity, we're given by God, to give people hope so that people can understand that the future is better than the past. Okay, if you haven't made that decision to follow Christ yet, let me throw that out, throw that out there, is that there is, you can do that today, you can talk with your folks when you get back home, but don't go through life thinking, oh, you know, whatever, someday, you know, kind of thing. But commit yourself to say, I'm going to pursue God day in, day out. I'm going to give my life to Him. I'm going to approach Him in faith, repentance, and baptism. And my life's going to be changed. 
Because I want to be part of the rebellion. I don't want to be a part of what everybody else does out there that's hurtful and destructive. I want to be a part of the solution. I want to be a part of the healing place. And that's what I want to be. And I'm ready to join the rebellion. For those of you that already joined the rebellion, you're on your way. Here's a, something that, just to consider. There's a, a guy that I met years ago that he was a, a very well-known church leader that had been involved in all sorts of... Uh, um, consulting with churches, and, and I didn't know him well, and, and I haven't seen him since. It's been many, many years now. But I asked him, what is, what is the most important thing that you've learned that, that's going to be important to tell churches and tell people? And he told me, Chris, I spent a whole lot of years trying to tell people nuts and bolts about this. If you do this, then people will come. If you do that, then people will come. All that kind of stuff for churches. And what I realized is it did more to confuse, and, and I didn't understand the context of where people were at. But what I learned is that if I can tell people this for the rest of my life, I believe I'll have a bigger impact than I did any other time and doing anything else. When you wake up every morning, decide today is a day that I'm going to continue to be part of God's mission. I'm going to look at Scripture, I'm going to be transformed by it, and I'm going to live for God today the best I can. And if every one of us wakes up every morning deciding, I'm going to join the, continue to be part of this rebellion. I know that sometimes it does not seem worth it when the pressure is pushing me to do things that, that, are, that are ungodly or I feel like I just don't want to... to I, I just God, can I just... You just not be the Lord of my life today? You feel that? I do. And I'm the preacher. Come on. You know, I feel it. I feel times when I wake up and think, I do not want to be... today. But I breathe deeply... I suck it up, and I say, Chris, quit whining. There's been lots of people that have had a lot tougher than you in a lot of different ways, and your job today is to join the rebellion and be part of God's mission. And every day, and I hope that as I do that every day, that I can look back someday and say, wow, what a lifetime of faith that God was able to do with my life here on earth. And that's my prayer for all of you guys. God's got big plans for every one of you to make an impact, to make a difference in his rebellion here on earth. If you'd like to join that rebellion you haven't yet, you can come forward. Let's stand and sing together.